Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I'm a sixth grader. I'm going to private school. And there's this kid in the school who just had problems with everybody, and he had this feud going with me. So him and I once a week got into fights on the playground. So I was in the principal's office a lot for these fights, and I would say, hey, he started it. And my dad was one of those dads that said, son, you better never start a fight, but if someone else starts it, you better finish it. So that's, that's how my dad raised us, so I could never resist if something happened. So um, I had this teacher in sixth grade. He was an All-American football player, and uh, he was a, this linebacker, All-American in college, and he intimidated me. I was afraid of him, so I behaved in this class so one day I'm sitting in that class, this kid's in there that, that I had the feud going with, and this kid is just going, he's telling the teacher off, and he's not listening. And at that moment, the teacher looked at me, because he had to settle our fights a few times. He just looked at me and said, take him down, Joe. <laughs> Sixth grade, private school, my mom and dad are paying for that, you know. Bad, bad. Of course, I didn't go home and tell him. So, so uh, I looked at the teacher and said, now? He said, now. So I jump out of my seat. I knock him out of his desk, knock him down, and we have this fight. The teacher's going, get him, Joe, get him. The kids are going crazy. <laughs> private school. So I ended up going to private school for junior high. He ended up going to public school, so I never saw him again. But three years later, I applied for this job. The assistant manager uh, interviewed me. She hired me on the spot. So a couple days later, I come back for my first day of work, and I'm so excited. And the manager comes out, and he has the same name as this kid that I had a feud with. But I'm not going to ask him if he knows him, right? So he says, Joe Caminetti. He goes, did you go to such and such school in sixth grade? I said, I did. He goes, yeah, my son was in that school. I said, yeah, what a great guy he was. He was awesome. <laughs> so he said, because he told me all about you, Joey. And so uh, here I am, a ninth grader, three years later. And that guy never gave me a day off I requested. He, he never gave me a holiday off, and he rode me, he treated me so terrible. And I learned something. You know what I learned? I learned that what we do today will come back and either bite us or bless us, right? <laughs> and that bit me hard, right? It really bit me hard. And we're going to talk about that today. So I wanted to open with that story because this lesson is going to have that impact to it that today is important in how we live it today. And you notice we titled this series Gold because the Olympics are going on. And we thought, let's have a series that just, you know, has the same feel as the Olympics because the Bible talks about the fact we're in a race. So we said, let's teach a spir our spiritual uh, Olympics that we're training for, right? And uh, last night, I, I filmed the opening ceremony, so I went home after church last night and watched it took place on Friday, and it was, Brazil did an incredible job with the opening ceremonies. It was amazing, and, um, and then I watched the nations walk in. That's always fun. I can never believe how many nations there are. I always forget that there's that many, and uh, when the U.S. walked in, we had the biggest Olympic team in U.S. history. It was so awesome to watch them walk in. It was so cool, and I'm so tanked and excited because I record every event. I DVR'd. I told everything to record, and then there's events that I watch, events I don't. I fast forward to things I don't like. But I love men and women's gymnastics. Oh, my goodness. Uh, men and women's basketball. And then track and field. I'll watch just about every event on track and field. And then I like the swimming competitions, the major competitions for swimming. And I'll just fast forward to I come to those places. I'd love to watch the gold medal 
things. But here's, here's, what, here's, here's what's so amazing. Some of those competitors are 16, 17, some 15. They've trained over half their life to win a gold medal. And you and I are living a Christian life, and God says we're in a race. And I just think about the urgency of their life, what they do, how they train, and how God tells us to train spiritually. And I thought, just do a series based on, on the fact uh, that it's, we're like in our own Olympics. And here's what I want you to walk out today. Every, every lesson I want you to walk out grasping something. Here's my big grasp today. Uh, it, it goes like this, today impacts tomorrow. I want you to walk out, you, you know, it can either bite you or bless you what you do today. So what's today? Well, today is right now, but tomorrow when you wake up, that's today. Friday at the end of the week, that's today. What's tomorrow? Well, tomorrow could be weeks out in advance. Uh, I'm going to deal with that more in our second lesson than now. But today, when I talk about tomorrow in this lesson, tomorrow's talking about when we cross the finish line of our Christian race. And, and when do we do that? When we die, when we leave this earth and go to heaven. And uh, that's tomorrow. And it's amazing how the Bible talks about God blessing you up in eternity with treasures and all these things. And I just want you guys to be filthy, spiritually rich um, when you get to heaven. So that's what this series is about, to just help you get to that point in your life. Now, I want to talk about Paul's race. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in case you don't know it, the most important person in the New Testament, no one more important except Jesus, right? He wrote nearly three-quarters of the Bible, the New Testament. And, uh, of course, he didn't write it. God gave him the words. But God chose him, and he brought out what we call the Pauline Revelation. He brought out things that were hidden from all ages until now. And he gave us all this revelation about uh, the new creation inside of us, the church age, the age of grace. He's an amazing guy. And, and Paul talked about the race he was running and our race, and he talked about it over and over again in the Bible. So I want you to notice what he said in Philippians 3, 13, and 14. He says, No, dear brothers and sisters, fellow Christians, I have not achieved it, that spiritual maturity. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now think about it. The guy that wrote nearly three-quarters of the New Testament, he said there's one thing that's more important than everything else. Because there's a bunch of things that are important to us spiritually. <clears throat> he says, I'm focusing on one thing. That means this is the most important thing in all my spiritual walk. And here it is. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race. And here's, here's what he's focused on. And receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He says, the most important thing in my spiritual life is the race I'm running and receiving the rewards and the blessings for the race I run when I arrive in heaven. He says, that's the most important thing in all of my life. And I get to thinking, well, if that was the most important thing to him, it should be the most important thing to me too. And he uses that phrase, I press on. The Greek word there paints this picture. Imagine the 100-yard or 100-meter dash today, and you know that's where they run as fast as they can. It paints the picture of someone being 40 feet away from the finish line and, and just giving it everything they have. And Paul says, that's how I live my life. I run, I run hard to win my, win my race. And then he, over and over again, we're going to look at some sections. He talks about these blessings or these prizes or these rewards that we receive for eternity. 
Now, I want to say this up front. I may repeat it once or twice because you really have to get it. You and I go to heaven by the grace of God by placing faith in Christ Jesus. You cannot work your way to heaven. How many of us are excited about that? I, I don't know about you. If I had to work my way to heaven, I would not go. Some of you are actually good enough you might be able to make it, but none of us can. I would never make it. So we're in. You're in. Our race is all about our eternal state because the Bible teaches us that some people will have more blessings up there than others. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this. Jesus said, some that are first here, not everybody, I'm glad about that, some that are first here will be last in heaven. He's talking about Christians now. And he said, some that are last here, they'll be first in heaven. What's he talking about? Well, to be first here means you either, you're either filthy rich and you have everything that anybody could ever have, every toy, uh, you just live a good life, or it means maybe you're a politician who has great authority, you're in a position of authority, He's talking about your status here is up at the top. He said, there's some folks, Christians here, their status is at the top, and once they arrive in heaven because they didn't run a good race, they'll be last. They'll have a lower status in heaven. And I've determined I don't want that to be. And here's what's exciting. You can be first down here and be first up there. He's just said some people. And then he said, he said, some that are last down here as far as status, so that would be someone that has no authority. You know, they're not, they're not in a big political position at all and maybe they don't have a whole lot of money or things he says he says many that are that way will be first in heaven and it all is determined by how we run the race that God's called us to run so we want to know hey what's this race and we want to know what the Bible says about it so let's talk about our race and the Bible says this first Corinthians 9 24 in a race everyone runs but only one person gets first prize so run your race to win now, this is our text. We'll do the verses below. We'll get a, hit a couple in, in chapter 10. This, this is the, the main text for this series, and it's all about us running our Christian race. So I want to talk to you about your race so you all understand what it is. But first, I want to emphasize this. He says, so run your race to win. Can we all agree, any of you that's ever been in any race whatsoever, can you can, can all agree, in order to win a race, you have to really train, right? You, you have to really prep to win that race. And and, and so a race I got into, I didn't do many races. I wasn't one of those really fast sprinter kind of guys. It's not my genetics. Um, but but uh, I, I, I really got into running the miles. Matter of fact, here's what happened. Um, I accepted Christ, and then I, I owned a gym. So I'd spend two, three hours a day when I owned a gym working out. Then I got rid of all that, uh, got rid of the gym, but I brought all this equipment in my basement here. So near, here I'm a Christian. Didn't really know I was going to Bible school yet. And... Uh, I would just go downstairs and work out two, three hours a day, and I had all these mirrors I put up, and then I found I was always flexing in a mirror or winking at myself, and, and uh, just really happy with myself. And one day, one day, God opened up my eyes and said, this is a God to you. So I said, all right, God, I know it is, um, so I'll stop lifting. So I said, I have to replace it, so I decided I'll run. And I tried, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, I tried... And, and that was just too long to run. So I, set, I settled on the mile, and I said, I'm going to run the mile. And, and I'm really competitive, so I timed myself, and I kept trying to beat my time. So now I'm in Bible school, and this was my routine in Bible school. I just, I love to run the mile. So um, I worked midnight turn. I'd come home from work, 
and I'd get on my workout clothes, I'd go run a mile as fast as I could. And then I would either run quarter miles to get my speed up or sprints, I'd, I'd rotate. And then I'd shower and I'd go to school. Didn't even have time to eat breakfast. I'd come home from school, put on my workout clothes, run a mile as fast as I could. Then I'd shower, eat, eat, eat whatever, breakfast, and, and then I'd go to sleep. And then I'd wake up and I'd get my clothes on again. I'd run another mile as fast as I could and I did either the sprints or the quarter mile. And then I showered, I ate, and then I did all my homework and then I went to work and it started. I, I just did that because I enjoyed it and, and it was quick. I got to where I was running a four and a half minute mile. I know it's hard to believe now, but, but I did, I did. You can ask my brothers because some of them tried to run with me and they couldn't. So I, I ran with all my buddies and nobody could keep up with me. So I wanted a training partner, couldn't find one. So I just did that all by myself. And one day, one of my buddies um, was in a class. He met a guy I didn't know. And this guy told him I ran a mile in high school. And he said, you need, Joe's looking for a partner. He goes, who's Joe? And he tells him, he goes, but Joe's really fast. This guy said, I'll kill him. And, uh, and so he wants to race me. And my buddy comes and said, I set up a race for you. I said, I don't want to race anybody. He, he says, yeah. And so this guy, uh, four weeks or so passed, and, and the race is on. Now, I just kept training the same way because I figured I can't train any harder than this. So uh, the race day comes, and this guy is trash-talking me like crazy. And back then, I didn't trash-talk. I was, I was holy, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> now I trash-talk like crazy. I'm a trash-talking crazy person. But, but it's not because I was, I was just didn't know how to have fun back then. Now I know how to have fun. And, and this guy trashed me, trash-talked, and so the race is on. And, and he ran my pace. He just came out with me and ran my pace. And, and uh, we got to the half mile. He, he couldn't even breathe, and he stopped. He never finished. And I finished, and I went up to him afterwards. And I said, hey, great race. And I'm going to give him a fictitious name to protect the innocent Paul. I said, Paul, great race. And he goes, oh, I stunk. He goes, he goes I can't believe you beat me. And I said, well, how did you train? Here's what he said. He said, well, he said, once or twice a week, I just got up and ran a mile. He said, I thought I was going to kill you. I didn't train hard. And then I told him how I trained. He said, no wonder you beat me. I said, yeah. I said, we trained a lot different. And, and I share stories for reasons. The Bible said, run your way race to win. Now think about it. I think a lot of Christians are running and getting ready for races like Paul. And here's my heart. I want to help you get ready the right way. You need to train seriously to complete and to run your Christian race. But for so many of us, we don't realize today impacts tomorrow. So we're just not even thinking about it. We love Jesus and all that, but we're not realizing we're in a race. So if you were to ask me, what's my race? I would say this. Our race is to love and live for Jesus. That's your Christian race. And it's specific for everybody. Living for Jesus is specific. We all have different things we do for him. Let's talk about loving God, loving Jesus. You know, the Bible says to love God with all your heart, all your will, all your mind, all your emotion. That just means he's first place. That means he's the most important thing in your life. And I want to be very honest with you. I try to be transparent. This becomes tough for me. Not tough to love Jesus, but it becomes really tough to keep him number one in my life because there's a lot of things down here I enjoy doing, and they keep trying to pull me over and consume me. So this is something I have to constantly make adjustments to love God with every bit of my strength, which means I put him first in my life. That, that, that's, that takes time, and that's my, part of our race. The other part is to live for Jesus, which simply means, uh, Jesus, you're so important to me, I want to help you promote and grow your kingdom. People do that by volunteering. Some people do it in church. Some people do it with parachurch organization. But it's just living your life for Jesus. That's your race. And every one of us has a different race, 
but we want to run this race. And the Bible talks about this. It's so cool how it opens it up. And then it says, when we leave this earth, we cross the finish line, there's going to be rewards. You know, Olympic athletes receive the gold. Listen to this. Revelation 22:12 says this. Look, I, Jesus, am coming. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person, he's referring to Christians, according to what they have done. So how you ran your race, you'll be rewarded. And, and he's just going to reward us. Now, if, if we're alive when he comes, this verse applies to us. But if we die before he comes, then we do this early. But we're going to stand before him and he's going to reward us. The message Bible for this verse, you know what it says? It says, I'm bringing my payroll. Jesus is going to bring his checkbook and write, write checks and say, hey, you, you ran your race hard, I'm proud of you, and here's your rewards and treasures, and you're going to have them for all of eternity. So what, what I've had to do in my life, and, and it's hard to do, even as a pastor, you can just get into this like it's a job. You have to still make a decision to love and live for Jesus. It can just become a job. It can become really easy. You get used to it, and, and I have to keep that edge like you have to keep that edge and just say, Jesus, I'm going to love you with everything I have, and I'm going to live for you with everything I have. And he talks here about rewarding us. So there's coming this day where you're going to stand before him, and that's what this is referring to. And it's going to be an incredible day. It's not to determine whether you get in. Remember, you're already in, but there's rewards. So listen to what Paul said about this, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. He said, cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing, and that's what we aim to do. Regardless of our conditions, sooner or later, We'll all have to face God, regardless of our conditions. And conditions just simply means your state in life. Do you know that none of us will receive a pass? So it doesn't matter who you are. You can have great status here. There's still a day coming when you will stand before Jesus, and you will, you will be judged, and you'll be rewarded for how you lived your life. And then he says this, verse 10, we will all appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. And guys, sometimes this is tough for us because, you know, God created you to lead. He created you to be, you know, to be a leader in every area of life. And, and we have a little tougher time because uh, we have to bow our knees to God. And, and men have a harder time doing that, but we have a church full of men that have. And, and I remember when I did it and I just said, God, I, I know I like to control everything in my life, but I'm bowing my heart to you. You're, you're, you're my boss. You're the one I live for. And the Bible says there's coming a day when I'll stand before him and answer for how I ran my race. Now, in, in other translations, you see the word judgment, this one too, and it's from this Greek word called bima. And he, he's talking to these guys. They had pre-Olympic games. They called them the Ithian games. And they eventually became the Olympics. But these guys, they know the terminology. And in these Olympic games, they had what they called the bema seat or stand. And the official of the game, at the end of the game, the ones that won the gold, he would stand there and they'd walk up on the bema and he would give them their rewards. And that's what Jesus is talking about, rewarding us. That's pretty exciting for how we ran our race. That's awesome. So here, here's, my, here's my deal, all right? When I stand there, I want Jesus to look at me and say, Joe, you did good. You weren't perfect. You're hardhead sometimes, but you ran your race. You weren't my brightest pastor, but you did good with what you had, Joe. And, 
And that's all I want to hear. You gave 100%, Joe, and every one of you will be judged for what he's created you to do and, and what your place is in the kingdom of God. And I want you to hear, great job. That's my big goal in life. That's what I'm trying to do with every single one of you in here. And here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to stand there and Jesus says, man, you never did this. You never ran your race. And I don't want you to say, my pastor didn't teach me that. Uh, so I don't want you running me down in heaven, you know, saying, I'm going to slap you down, Pastor Joe. You didn't teach me that. Um, I don't want there to be any excuses. So, uh, you know, the Bible tells us this. It says, once you know something, you're responsible for it. So I've just ruined your life, okay, if you didn't know that. And, and uh, so don't get mad. You don't get mad leave the church either because, I mean, now that you know it, it doesn't matter. You might as well stay here and get ready, right? So, so the next verse is my life verse. Here it is, verse 11, the second part of it. But listen to what verse 11 says. That keeps us, the Christians, vigilant. You can be sure it's no light thing to know that we'll one day stand in that place of judgment. I mean, that, that, that makes it a little more serious, right? I have to answer for how I live my life. Not to get in, but when the rewards, I want to win the gold. And, and then here's my life verse as Pastor Joe. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet, every Christian. We as the minister, Paul and other ministers, to get them ready to face God. So if you were to ask me, do you have an agenda? I would say, I have an agenda. What's my agenda? To get all of us ready to face God on that day. And I want you to hear, well done, my good and my faithful servant. So that's, that's, this series is going to help you get ready because here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about uh, some obstacles that hit all of us. We have to, we have to uh, jump them and overcome them. And just like Olympic athletes have to avoid certain things. And then I'm going to show you some training techniques that will make you so spiritually strong. You, you'll be Arnold times 10 spiritually. It's going to be amazing. So, so, Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 9, 24. It says, in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize, so run your race to win. Now let's go on, verse 25. To win the contest, you must deny yourself many things that would keep you from doing your best. So uh, there's so many good things on this earth that I have to say no to, but I just have to say no to them because I, I, I do a bunch of fun things, but I can't, if I could do everything I wanted, man, I'd go crazy. But I just find... A couple things, you have to have, can we all agree you have to have fun things to do in your life? So one of the fun things I like to do is I have this Jeep Wrangler, and I love when the top's down. It, it's, it's a manual transmission, you know, and I just had it souped up a little, and so I have this, air, this big air-injected carburetor they put on and bigger pipes, and it sucks a lot of air in, which means you can go much faster. It has a lot more power. And I just love, if the speed limit's 55, I like to get there in two seconds. And so I just, boom, 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 and I love to hear it go, ooh, and then I, then I go to speed limit for all law enforcement people in here. Um, <laughs> but it's just so fun to go to 40 as fast as you can, right? And, and that's part of my fun, so I waste gas, but it's fun, it's fun. You, there's more expensive hobbies, right? And, and so, but, but the idea that we're talking about here is there's some things we're not able to do. And then he goes on and says that that would keep you from doing your best. He says an athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup or a gold medal, but we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So not everybody's going to receive these rewards and treasures, and I want you all to have as many as you can. Listen to verse 26. 
So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body. And all that means is, you know, uh, I train it. Your body's not going to want to do these spiritual routines sometimes, so I make myself do it. Sometimes I say, body, I know you'd like to do this all day, but we do have to put a little time into God, that kind of stuff. Treating it uh, roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others to the, for the race. This is crazy mind-blowing. I, Paul, wrote three quarters of the New Testament, one of the most spiritual people ever alive. I, myself, might be declared unfit in order to stand aside. Paul knew he had to stay sharp. He knew he had to keep that mentality. He's going to talk about these things in chapter 10, that four things that can really pull any of us off track, and we'll deal with them in the next weeks to come. And, and I love what he says here, so listen to one more thing he said, 1 Timothy 4, 8. Here, here's his words to us. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. So you can be spiritually flabby. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, so it's okay to do that. But a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. So he's saying your spiritual routines and and your race, and preparing for it, and running it, really, really important. So in each lesson, I want to highlight an Olympic athlete, and I, I want to learn uh, something from these Olympic athletes. And today, I want to highlight Justin uh, Gatlin, and he, he, he won the gold in 2004 in the 100-meter sprint. So uh, you're going to see him run his race. And then I want to just tell you about his training and think about our training. So let's, let's enjoy this race uh, with Justin right now. And in just a few moments, the big question will be answered. Which one of these eight sprinters is about to achieve immortality at 43 kilometers per hour? Let's listen to the drama as it unfolds at the start line as we await the starting gun. guys are genetic freaks you guys you guys realize that right if I did their training routine in, in my prime and was in that race I'd be 10 yards behind all they they are made to run that race and they're genetic freaks but listen they're running against genetic freaks so they all have to train and I got to thinking it's a under a 10 second race and I want you to just think about what they did do you know that Justin trained on an average day six hours can you imagine six hours a day to run that race. On his light days, he became wimpy, and he trained about two hours, and that's pretty wimpy, right? So 
I think about what he did in order to win a gold medal, and it's amazing. I saw him last night. He was in the U.S. delegation, and uh, they mentioned his name. That's impressive what he did in that race, but he did it for a gold medal. And you and I don't have to train six hours a day, even two hours a day. Aren't you glad about that? But I think about, can we get the mentality that he had? I think we should have that mentality and think, I've got to get my spiritual training in. I have to run my race. I want to cross the finish line first. I want to accomplish what God's called me to accomplish. And this guy did crazy things. Take a look at this picture. Uh, you don't see him in the picture. I couldn't find him doing this. But in, I read his training routine for the Olympics. And this is one of the things he did. And uh, they, they just keep putting more and more weights on. They pull this 40 feet at a time over and over again to build their thighs and their calves. And I think, wow, they're going through all this. And I'm running a race. And I want to be that serious with my spiritual race. I want us to say, I, I want to cross that finish line like, like Justin crossed the finish line. So uh, I, I want to close out today and just show you where we're going to head. I want to get into chapter 10 a little bit. Chapter 10 is awesome. And uh, it, it doesn't change subject. But here's how verses 1 through 5 in chapter 10 work, okay? It starts like this. It talks about the children of Israel being delivered from Egypt. And it says that every single one of them walked through the Red Sea. They all had that cloud over their head, supernatural cloud. And all of them drank from the rock. And it says the rock was Jesus. So they drank their spiritual life from Jesus. But then it says God wasn't pleased with all them. Now, they're under a different covenant than I, we are, but here's what the Bible says. Second uh, Corinthians, it says this, 10.6, or 1 Corinthians, excuse me. Now, these things happened as an example for us, the church, the Christian, so we wouldn't crave evil things just as they did. Totally different covenant. We're not going to have the same uh, results as they did if we do what they did, but God wants us to learn these things will take us out of the race. So the, we're, next week we'll deal with one, we'll deal with one the week after, and we'll deal with two together the next week. But listen to verse 7. Here's the first one. So it says, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And I don't think anybody in here that's a Christian, I know none of you in your entire lifetime will bow down and worship an idol. We just will not do that. We understand that, right? The Bible says for Christians that anything we put above God, anything that becomes first place over God in our life is an idol. And it, it's going to take us right out of our race. And I said this earlier, but I want to say it again, and I'll save the rest for next week. I have to constantly readjust my life because this world keeps trying to pull me in. And I figure if it's doing it to Pastor Joe, it's trying to do it to all of us, right? Now here's the next lesson, verse 8. And it says, uh, let's not commit spiritual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. None of us will fall. That we're in another covenant. But I didn't say this. Let me say it. Next week when I teach the adultery thing, I'm going to show you a spiritual exercise that will make you so strong you'll never do that. It's incredible. And then I'm going to show you a different one here that will cause you to be able to be sexually pure and then pure in every area of your life. So some of you are sitting here and saying, Pastor Joe, that's two weeks from now. Let me mark my calendar. I won't come. Um, I don't want to hear a message on sex. And I'm not going to really teach about sex. I'm going to teach about purity. Uh, but, but listen, if you're in an area of your life, because I'll have people tell me sometimes, Pastor Joe, that doesn't bother me anymore. I'm past that. And I, and I just look at them and say, but, but, your grandkids, your kids, your great-grandkids, your great-nephews, your nieces, your nephews, we're a multi-generational church, so I need to touch this for our students uh, I need to touch this for our young adults, our young married couples, 
are middle-aged married couples. I need to touch this subject. And so we're just going to deal with purity, but I want to show you what I call an intimacy exercise that will help you overcome any kind of impurity in your life. And I'm going to show you how to train and just get some big muscles in that area. And then uh, here's the last two. We'll cover them together. And, and let's not test the Lord. I struggle with this one, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Thank God the serpents don't get us anymore, right? And uh, that would be snakes. And verse 10, and let's not grumble. That means to complain. And I have complained a lot to God. As some of them did, and were destroyed by destroying angels. Thank God the angels, destroying angels don't get us. But I'm going to show you in this lesson, spiritual routine, and I'm going to help you get to a place. Because you know these, these things we just looked at, four of them? They will take you out of your race. You'll, you'll stop running your race if you fall into any of these areas. And that's what Paul said when he said, I discipline myself. He says, I train myself. That's what he's referring to. And I'll show you the training. But listen to verses 11 and 12. He says, now these things happen to them as an example, as it is written down as a warning for us uh, on whom the ends of the ages have come. The end of the age. You just hear what God said about you. He said, you are my finished product. He said, Christians, they are my finished product. This is the greatest creation I've ever created. And he's telling us now we want to look back at them and we want to learn from their mistakes. And he says this in verse 12. Therefore, let the one who thinks that he stands watch out that he doesn't fall. And he's referring to us falling out of the race because these things pull us over. We're not training enough to be strong enough to finish our race. Now, I'm going to read one more verse. Close on this. And have you ever read a verse in the Bible that ruins your life? You know, it's supposed to help you. There are some verses that ruin your life. Uh, and, then, and then it gets better after they ruin it. Uh, but, but listen to verse 13. No temptation has taken hold of you, that's a test, except what is common to mankind. In other words, there's somewhere else, someone else in this world that's having just as bad, as bad a test as you are. It happens to all of us. Some of you have really terrible tests, but there's someone else, if they're not in this church, some other Christians having a similar test in their life. And, and so he's letting us know we're all going through it, right? And, and then he says, but God is faithful. So what's God faithful to do? Listen to this. He will not allow you to be tested beyond what you can handle. That ruined my life, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. Can you say, thank you, God, so you will be able to endure it or get through it. Now, when, he's, when I read this years ago, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. This literally ruined my life. But I want to make sure everybody in the room is on the same page. God, the Bible says God never will test you with evil. So he's not the one testing you with any bad things. Now God will test you. You know how God tests the Christian? He'll ask you to do something to see whether or not you obey and do it. So that's how God tests us. Uh, but the devil, the cursed earth, crazy people, they bring all kinds of tests into our life. Our fallen body can be tempted to sin and all, all those things we just read about, the grumbling, everything. Um, God doesn't bring any of that, but he allowed you to live in a world where you would have to overcome it because you need some resistance, right? How can you grow spiritual muscles if you have no resistance? So God, but God makes a promise. And here, it ruined my life and then it blessed my life. Here's what God said. There's never a test that comes in your life that you're not strong enough to overcome. And here's where it ruined my life. I, I had these different things when I was a young Christian. They kept hitting me and hit me. And I would just say, God, I'm just too weak to handle that. God, it's not my fault. It's that person's fault. They made me upset. They made me do this. They made me do that. And I blamed myself and my weaknesses. <clears throat> and then I saw this and it ruined my life because God said, Joe, 
anything that hits you, you're strong enough to say no to, you're strong enough to overcome, you're strong enough to get through no matter how bad or how hard it knocks you on your, your backside, you can get through it, Joe. So that ruined my life and then it made me smile and I said, I can get through it? You mean, God, I'm strong enough to, to come out of anything? Yeah. And so then I became happy. First I was mad because I had no excuses, no one to blame. And then I became happy. And I said, God, that's awesome. I, anything that comes at me, I can overcome. I don't know about you. That excites me. If I was a preacher, I'd be preaching right now, but I'm not a preacher. So I can't preach. But can, can, we, can we all take a moment and just say, yay, God? Can we just give it up to God and let him know we're excited? That's exciting, man. That's exciting. It's moments when I wish I was T.D. Jakes or something, you know. That guy, every word he says is like, yeah, awesome, buddy. Um, and then he says he will provide a way of escape. That means you can get out of anything and overcome anything. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to open this lesson up, this series. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we're running for spiritual gold. Thank you. Lord, thank you that we understand more clearly today impacts tomorrow and what we do in here is going to impact our eternity. And Lord, I hope I balance this. I hope, I, I hope people understand we can enjoy life, have fun, do things. But we do have to make sure in our hearts you're, we love you more than anything and that we are running our race. We, we need to make sure life isn't pulling us out of our race. And, and Lord, only you can speak and balance that in every one of our hearts. So I thank you for doing that. Lord, as we go forth in this series, here's my prayer, and I pray for myself as much as anyone else. Lord, open up my heart to understand these spiritual routines and give me the strength to get in the spiritual gym and do them. Give us the strength, Lord, to do that. And Lord, help us to learn how not to allow any of these obstacles to pull us off course like they did the children of Israel. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you that snakes aren't going to get us and destroying angels aren't going to get us. We thank you that we're not going to fall dead. But Lord, we do want to live the life you've called us to live. So thank you for bringing us to a place of strength. And Lord, thank you for causing uh, whatever our race is to burn in our hearts so that we can finish it. And everybody in this room that says, I, I'm in agreement with that, can you say amen? Amen. Now let's bow our heads, close our eyes. One more moment because... There might be some of you in here you're not sure of your forever, so I want to just take a moment and help you be sure. There was a day in my life when I made it real with God, and I'll never forget, 19, I said, Jesus, I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. I accept you as my Savior. And so right now, I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. Right now, I'm not asking you if you grew up in church, if you didn't, if you were water baptized as a baby, an adult, or you weren't. All those are great things, but here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it real with Jesus and you accepted him as Savior? If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember that day, why not today? Because today impacts tomorrow, right? Why not get in, into the kingdom of God? So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, that's me, Pastor Joe, the Bible says if you call on his name, he'll save you. So if you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready to do that. Would you pray with me? Everyone else in the room, would you help him pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins, and this day I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You're the Savior. God raised you from the grave, and I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. 
follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.